can't believe I didn't fact check that Minecraft thing. <laughs> <laughs> we we fact checked you live on the show, man. It's all good. One of us will. Yep. Quick, that's the kind run of a quick Google search. I mean, that's the kind of thing you say at a party, and they're like, "Is that really true?" And you're like, "I swear, I don't know. Not, I don't know. maybe not. Search it out yourself." It's just interesting, like based on who tells you something and where right. you get information from, you just like automatically believe it. So right. like, when you're younger, your parents told you a thing and you just believed it. I, I mean, unless you were more of a like a kid who was not as quickly trusting. Right. Like I trusted Nick a lot until just today. <laughs> I know, same. I was oh, like, oh, that's so cool. I wanted to see the story. I was oh. like, that's cool. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode of JS Party is brought to you by Rollbar. Deploy with confidence more often. Spend less time worrying and more time on improving your code. You can feel safe knowing every error is reported in real time with Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com. This is JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Thank you to each and every one of you who joined Changelog++ during our August soft launch. We truly appreciate you supporting the show. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, check it out at changelog.com slash plus plus. We have a fun one for you today. Let's get into it. Hey, it's party time, y'all. Welcome back, everyone. This is JS Party. I'm Jared. I'm your friend, and I'm joined by two of my friends. Nick Macy is here. What's up, Nick? Ahoy, ahoy. And we have Divya here. What's up, Divya? Hello, hello. Well, today we have a very special show. We always say we have a special show, but this time we actually mean it because we have a mystery guest, and we'll be hearing from that guest shortly. But first, we're going to turn to the news, and there's a lot going on, especially in TypeScript world. What? So now I'll turn it over to Nick to talk for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> well, you're on it, yeah. Nick. TypeScript, what's up? Not too much, actually. Just TypeScript 4.0 being released, uh, which is pretty big news. But TypeScript doesn't really follow semantic versioning. So TypeScript 4 is just the version that comes after 3.9. So there's not like crazy big features in it. <laughs> so it's not a big release. It just looks like a big release. <laughs> there, there are some cool things in there, and I'm excited to, to upgrade to it sometime soon. Uh, but some of the, the cool things that are in it, probably the biggest thing is variadic tuple types. This is is pretty cool because it lets you be more expressive with your, your TypeScript code without having to write too much TypeScript, which is one thing that I always hate with TypeScript is mm-hmm. spending too much time writing TypeScript that I know never actually gets run by the front end or by, by in JavaScript. Mm. And then, you know, it's just there to make me feel better about being type complete. And variadic tuple types will help with that quite a bit. What's a tuple or a tuple? And how do you say it? Good question. I don't know the answer <laughs> to the second part of that. Okay. <laughs> Pick your poison. Tuple. How do you say it? I don't know. I'm asking you. I think I say it tuple. I've, I've also said it tuple, so I'm on the fence. But I've always heard tuple. Is it tuple? I don't tuple? think I've ever heard tuple. No, yeah, I think I heard tuple first. It's like Tupperware. Now you have. Tuple. Well, Tupperware has two Ps. 
Mm. Mm. <laughs> Argumentation. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it just matters on podcasts because we have to say it out loud. Most of us just type it and never have to think about it again. But forgetting how you say tuple, what is a tuple, Nick? So the way that I think of tuples or tuples is, is that they're like a fixed length array. You can use that as like a return type, and then you're technically returning two things, right? Just wrapped in an array mm-hmm. or more, two or more things, even though it's tuple or I don't know. See, now you're making arguments for tuple. <laughs> <laughs> Although um, that would be misleading because you can have more than two elements in a tuple, right? It's true. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's a tuple. You can return those. And then with destructuring, array destructuring, you can just act like you did actually just return two things. So the the actual developer experience of working with them is much better. Okay. So what's variadic mean? Or you already explained that and I was over here trying to figure out how to say tuple. <laughs> I did not explain that. <laughs> I probably missed it too. No, not at all. I am trying to remember what variadic means. I, like I don't remember from a computer science-y like background standpoint. Right. How to explain all these. So I'm like very much in fear of explaining them incorrectly. <laughs> in mathematics and in computer programming, a variadic function is a function of indefinite arity. Is variadic? I just said that off the top of my head. I did not read it off Wikipedia. <laughs> my assumption with variadic is like, is it varied? Like variables, like varied variables? Yeah, it's so about it's argument like- length. Like how many, how many parameters a function takes. So arity yeah. is the number of arguments that a function takes. So if there's two arguments you can pass in, then the arity is two. Mm-hmm. Variadic, or what variadic means, according to Wikipedia, is indefinite arity, meaning it might take one, it might take two, it might take three. And so that's the idea with varying. It's a varying length arguments. Yeah. So with variadic tuple types, you can specify that without having to specify all of the the possible combinations of that. Because as you said, it's indefinite. So you can't really do that. And so I want to say that I, I was listening to a changelog podcast where they were talking about like function overloading and specifically like only going out to like eight arguments because mm-hmm. that might that's probably like as far out as you're going to go. And then anything after right. that, the types are actually incorrect. But with this, the types will be correct indefinitely because you can define and use like the spread operator within your tuple type and tell it that this is going to be, you know, so many of this and then so many of this and concatenate them together to give you the full tuple type. So then the idea would be like, you don't have to determine all the arguments that it takes. Like, cause I think in TypeScript, isn't there like a way in which you define a function and then you sort of overload it as like, it does this and then you can do this. And, and so would this particular feature then mean you don't have to do that anymore? You, it just, as, allows you to write a function without having to over overload it, I guess is the word with like yeah. all the possible combinations. Yeah. So one example that they give is, is you've always been able to do like a, um, use a rest parameter in there to say like, you know, this array is going to be, or this, this type is going to be an array that has a number and then a string and then however many strings after that or booleans after that or something. And the big difference here is that you can use those rest operators anywhere in there. So you can say mm-hmm. that you're going to have so many strings and then so many numbers and then so many, and then followed by like a Boolean. Mm-hmm. And that way you have a variadic length of how many arguments you can actually pass in there um, or return from there or whatever to match that type. And it's not going to be limited by just overloading to hopefully take mm-hmm. care of every possible 
use case that you would have in your app. Right. What else is new? Another cool thing with tuples is uh, they can be labeled as well. So before in like TypeScript 3.9 and before, if you were going to say that, you know, this function is going to return you this tuple type and it would be like, you know, a string followed by a string followed by a string. And as you're looking at that in your autocomplete, in your editor, you're just like, well, what does that mean? I'm getting three strings back, but now I have to go research what that actually means. Well, you can now label those types. So you can say it's string colon mm -hmm. foo and string colon name and string colon last name. And then you get back or your, your editor will help you determine what those are. So it'll mm -hmm. just help with autocomplete and overall understanding of the data that you're working with. So the label represents the kind of string or the kind of data that you are expecting that string to contain. Like this is the name. It's a string, but it's a name. Right. And it's really for tooling purposes. You can say, and I, I think I had that backwards. It's not string colon whatever the name is or the label. It's the label colon string, just like you would do with any other type in TypeScript. Okay. So that's like a lot of other typed languages, which allows you to do that. So you do like parameter and then type and then parameter and then type yep. kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> the third big thing in there is probably the short circuit assignment. So we have that with several different like logical operators like plus and minus, where you can just say A plus equals B, and that will set the value of A to be whatever A was plus B and give that as the new value. Mm -hmm. And so that's existed for like plus minus multiplication, division, uh, exponents, things like that. Now it works with the and or and. I'm forgetting the name mm -hmm. of the, the two question marks. What is the two question marks? Double pipe or oh, two question marks. Oh, knowledge coalescing. Yes, no, knowledge yeah. coalescing. Yeah. So it works with those. Very nice, Tivia. I know all the facts. <laughs> <laughs> this just feels like an all-out war. You coalesce that knowledge. <laughs> it feels like an all-out war on ternary operators. People mm. don't like ternaries a lot. Mm -hmm. And people set crazy ESLint rules to say, don't use ternaries or don't use too many nested ternaries here. And what are you doing a lot of times? You're checking to see if like A is equal to, if, if A exists, and if it does, then do something with it. Otherwise, here's B. And right. this is just a way to condense that down. So now I can sneak in more ternaries, secret ternaries, and get those in. I'm for it. See, I'm anti-ternary, but I'm pro-secret ternary, so good. <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? We're just going to go down the feature list. It yeah. tells everything on there. So I don't have to read the doc. Nick reads the docs. It'd be a whole segment. Yes. It could be like a whole, se yeah, a whole segment where we read the docs to you. So you know mm -hmm. you're not going to read it. That would be pretty cool. There has to be like an audio version of docs, right? Like There should be. I think we're just the team for the job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, as you can see, there's not, not a ton of big things in TypeScript 4. There are a lot of other like small things like editor improvements, um, refactoring improvements that'll happen within VS Code and presumably other editors. But one thing that I'm really excited about for some reason is uh, this deprecated label that you can put in comments. So you can just say like in a comment, put at deprecated. And then in VS Code specifically and probably other editors, when you try and use that method from then on, it will let you use it, but it will have it squiggled out so that you can visually see right in your editor, you're using a deprecated Ooh, method. That's so really cool. cool. Yeah. That always seemed like like one of the main things that I would want decorators for in like my very limited thinking about decorators is like, oh, I want to be able to decorate this method as being mm -hmm. 
this way. But that always like generated like a runtime result, like a console log that said, oh, you're using this method. Maybe you should use this method instead. Whereas this is at edit time in your editor. This is squiggled out because you shouldn't be using this anymore. Mm. Mm -hmm. That begs the existential question. Why would you write a method that you don't want anybody to use, Nick? Well, because you want to improve it with a better method, right? <laughs> I prefer all my methods to be useful, but to each their <laughs> own. <laughs> you want to give people a, a very safe upgrade path. So this can yeah. just gently warn them, oh, all of your code squiggled out. And it'll be like that for maybe the next year. And then after that, then it's going to break. But we warned you and we put we it warned right you. Put your to-do comment here and then ignore it until everything breaks later. I like that <laughs> as an upgrade path. It's really like smooth. Yeah. Because yeah, oftentimes cool. you just don't know that it's going to be deprecated unless you read the docs and then it tells you it'll be deprecated. And within the code, there's no way to tell to make that connection. So this is really nice. And as you already stated, nobody reads the docs. So yeah, throw them a bone. What else is new? Is, is that the end of our list? I think so. Like that's the big, the main things. There are some things where it will automatically, like I said with the editor, it can like automatically put in the conditional Man, I can't think of the, the term for these new things. What's the question mark <laughs> dot? Come on, Divya. <laughs> oh. I swear, write JavaScript and TypeScript. I don't actually know that one. What is question mark? Conditional. It's just conditional operator, right? Uh. <laughs> Incorrect. No, I don't know. <laughs> you know the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling out my JS Danger soundboard, so when you guys figure it out, I will give you correct answers. This is slowly turning into an episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Moving on, yes. in TypeScript-related news, there is a cool new project from the Airbnb team called TS Migrate, which, as the name implies, is here to help you migrate your large code base to TypeScript. And they have been using this inside Airbnb to migrate a very large project with this tooling. Pretty cool stuff, right? Did you guys look at this? I did. It looks really cool. Insightful analysis from Nick. Did you want to <laughs> how does it, wait, so how, how does it work? Like, what's the process in which it would work? So in my limited deep dive into it, it seems like it's a, a collection of code mods that will help you okay. to migrate to TypeScript. And so they kind of have a diagram in the, the blog post that kind of shows, you know, you start with your, your JavaScript code and you create okay. a TS config. So you configure TypeScript in the way that you would want it, right. you know, with all of your hopefully strict set to true and all of that. Mm -hmm. Then you can go through and rename all of your JS files to TS or TSX, yeah. depending on what you're writing. And then you can run these code mods and the code mods will do things like declare any missing class properties. It'll like anything that, you know, didn't, you didn't really have to do before in JavaScript because it didn't care. Mm -hmm. It will help you to infer that in your new code and write that for you. So it'll output updated versions of that, of your code. It's unclear to me if this is like you run these step-by-step -step or all at once or how that works, but that does seem like like the they're utilizing code mods to do that, which is really mm -hmm. cool. Code mods are so cool. They are. I've not used them a lot, and I just wish I do more because they're really useful. Yeah. Have you written any? I have not. But I think there was, like, what made it more compelling for me was um, one of my friends, uh, Simon, gave a talk at Cascadia JS last year, which is really good, where he talks about code mods and just, like, the walk through of how to write them because oftentimes when you hear code mods you're like oh it's it seems complicated and i don't even know where to start 
and he does a walkthrough. Like, it's really good. And I think his talk is called Refactoring JavaScript with JavaScript. It's not TypeScript, but it's the idea of explaining code mods. And he does it in a really excellent way because it's sort of like walking you through the process of what a project is like before a code mod, what the process is without using a code mod, and then writing the code mod, and then how it actually makes your process so much easier when you migrate code. Nice. I'll link that in the show notes. It's a really good talk. Yeah. Yeah, they're really cool. Like once you get your head around the AST, I think, then it's it opens up so many possibilities for for things that you can do. But that can be a tough, a tough thing to do. Yeah, I think it's also understanding the AST itself. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. like I understand ASTs, but every time I use the AST Explorer, which is the tool that people use, it's so confusing. I don't <laughs> know how it works. And it's really frustrating. <laughs> so if anyone has any tips on how to use that. That would be swell. And then it's it's like the AST that actually gets generated is dependent upon the tool that you're using to analyze exactly. it too. So exactly. TypeScript might be doing it one way and yep. I don't know, Acorn or Esprit, Esprima, mm-hmm. all of these these yep. different yep. parsers might do it in different ways. And then exactly. like figuring out how to actually like traverse that code and loop through it and then make yep. changes to it and then output yep. it. It's all kind of crazy. But the, there's so many cool tools out there that will not only like allow you to introspect your code like this, but it will then like allow you to make changes and then output the code. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to that part there that, that it's crazy, but like you could just take the code and output it. And that might not be good enough because you might've changed all of your tabs to spaces or your single quotes to double quotes oh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that. So you actually have to have a tool that is like trying to match the style that it was originally so that you're not mm. making too many crazy changes. It's, it's a fun problem. Yeah. And then it makes you wonder, like, oh, should I just have done this by hand? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Airbnb engineers did not want to do it by hand. They have over 6 million lines. Oh, it's a large project. Yeah. Yeah. At this time, they've done 86% of their 6 million line front-end mono repo. They've converted it using TS Migrate, Mm -hmm. and they're on track for 95% by the end of the year. So we are reaching out to this team. We'd like to do an interview with them and talk about all the nitty-gritty details. But that's it for now. We do have some real-time follow-up from Nathan in the chat. Hook it up, Nick. The question mark dot operator is optional chaining. Mm. Yes. So that's what that's called. So thank you, Nathan, for getting that. You do get 500 points. Congratulations. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your ideas to the next level. We trust Linode because they keep it fast and they keep it simple. Check them out at linode.com slash changelog. In other news, which should be more fun news, maybe not quite as useful news, what? but definitely JS news, is that the JS 13K games are underway once again. This is a JavaScript coding competition for HTML5 game developers. The cool thing about this competition, you're not just creating a game, but you're creating it with a file size of just 13 kilobytes. It started a few weeks back, August 13, but it doesn't end yet until mid-September. So there's still time to get involved. And the cool thing about this is they have a theme this year, which is 404. Does anybody know what 404 means? 
I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find the definition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure how you do a four or four not found themed video game, but David, you've been working on some video games. So you got any ideas? Like what would be a good game you could make? I think like this is like top of mind because I've seen a couple of games come out related to like, for example, Microsoft Edge created that surf game recently. I don't know if you mm, saw it because it, they tried to rep- it was it was inspired by the Dino game that's on Chrome when you essentially are not connected to the internet. You oh, that play dinosaur. the Dino game. Yeah. yeah. And when you're on edge, there's a game that's that's called like a surf game, which is essentially you're surfing because it's surfing the web. But you Oh, I get it. Yeah. But you're sur- you're like a little surfer person and you're just like surfing as you're offline, which I thought was really cool. That makes me think of like it, it's sort of related because that's like it's not really four four because you're completely <laughs> offline. <laughs> but but like that's kind of one of the really fun ways in which you're like for instance, the thing that comes to mind is like, oh, when you encounter a 404, instead of just having 404, it's like, here's a game you can play. We don't have a page, but play this game. Um, That's really fun. Which I think is cool because it kind of takes that, it's surprising, it's unexpected. They expect, an, I guess, a negative feeling because they didn't get what they wanted, but they got something else in a way. Right. Which I think is kind of a, a, an interesting way of introducing a game. Because often in the gaming industry, that's not how people seek it out. You don't just like encounter a game. Yeah, I kind of took it as like something that you might put on a 404 page in a similar way to the the Chrome dinosaur when you're offline or like what GitHub does on their 404 page, which is like the, you know, the moving background with the oh the yeah Octocat like falling or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It made me think of Where's Waldo. So I was like, well, what's games where you can't find something? Where's Waldo? Oh, I you know, like that. trying to find yeah. him. Can't find him anywhere. Might be hard to squeeze that into 13K because it's so visual, but I'm sure you could find some sort of way of procedurally generating non-Waldo characters and then maybe have one Waldo in. I'm sure you could figure it out. Like, there's this Netflix show I've been watching called High Score, which is essentially about the Yes, I've been watching that too. so good. Did uh, you the see? nostalgia. There was one of the games where he was like, I was creating this game. I forget what the game, game was called. And he was like, I need it combatants in it and then he couldn't figure it out because the game like memory cartridge like the memory of that cartridge was so small and he used up so much of it mm-hmm. and he was like oh there was one way i could squeeze more memory out by xoring the bits <laughs> <was like>, <laughs> yeah those guys are so elite you're like oh my goodness um so i think anything is possible really i mean if those guys were able to like <laughs> create very interactive and like compelling games with like way less space than right. we have now Meanwhile, Slack is using 16 gigabytes of RAM and just enjoying it every last bit of memory. No, yeah. no offense, Slack, but you had it coming. It's Electron. It's Electron. It takes up a lot of space. So if you are into games and you want to make a game, and you can make a tiny little game that squeezes in a 13K. There's some pretty cool prizes. They have 20 plus different licenses, plans, accounts, blah, 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 all those kind of things. Uh, you can win a Magic Leap 1. Pretty cool stuff. So check it out. We'll link it up in the show notes. And if you don't want to make a game, at least you can wait till September. I believe it's the 13th and just go play all the awesome ones that other folks come up with. That's usually what I do. I spend about 20 minutes just <laughs> working around and being amazed by what people create. And I uh, create nothing myself. It reminds me of this. Uh, and it's probably based on a another thing called JS1K, which was a not a, necessarily a gaming contest, but just 
what's something cool you can do in one K of JavaScript or less. Right. And yeah, that, that's really cool. And it, I think one famous thing that came out of something similar to that was there was, um, I, I could be getting this wrong, but I could have swore that there was a Java 4K because you can't do anything in Java in 1K. And Minecraft <laughs> came out of that. Isn't that true? Did it really? I think so. What? I hope that's canonical because if not, we're spreading rumors. But that'd be awesome if it came out of Java 4K. And if not, we're just fake news over here. You guys can fact check that in the chat room. Nick, you can look it up as I move on and we'll get a real-time follow-up. Did Minecraft come out of a Java 4K competition? It said Minecraft 4K was an edition of Minecraft developed for Java 4K. Oh, uh, a slight shift in history. So there was a Minecraft version of... It was a version, yeah. Inspired by Minecraft, but not the place that Minecraft was invented. Correct. Okay. So, Divya, you get a success and... Nick, you get a wrong sound because <laughs> that was uh, incorrect, sir. In other news, we have a brand new, I don't know if it's brand new, but new to me, opinionated static site generator for Svelte. So if there's any Svelte fans in the audience, you can now check out Elder.js, which is exactly what I described, an opinionated static site generator and a web framework for Svelte, but it's built with SEO in mind. I'll link that up in the chat and in the show notes as well. And it's just cool to see uh, more projects rallying around and building out a ecosystem around kind of the, the shiny new framework on the world of Svelte. Has anybody checked out Elder or have a plan to? I don't use a lot of Svelte. I'm just curious about the naming. I guess anything is named oddly. Like, why is 11T called 11T? Who knows? Their mascot is an old man with his <laughs> finger pointing to the sky, kind of like old man yells at cloud, but he's happier than that. Um, so maybe it's just like old people know how to do SEO. I don't know. I don't know why you would call it elder. I, I always assumed that frameworks were picked or the names of frameworks were picked based on the mascot. At least I know that was the case for Pug. Like they mm. picked Pug because they were like, we like Pugs and we wanted a Pug mascot. So Pug it is. And it was called something else before that. And I can't remember. Jade, that's right. Yeah, and they renamed it. I don't know why. I think they wanted a more compelling animal mascot or something like that. So things that Elder provides for you, uh, build hooks and highly optimized build process. And it'll span all your CPU cores. So while Slack is using all your memory, Elder will use all your processors. And <laughs> uh, build it as fast as possible. It's built for large sites and the SEO is sites of 10 to 100,000 plus pages. And it uses felt everywhere, including your SSR templates mm -hmm. and as well as partial hydration. So check it out. It's felt something you're interested in and you enjoy static sites slash Jamstack things. Maybe Elder will get you started. This is like hybrid. This is like static site generation with server side rendering. So it's not. So they pre-render and then they hydrate from the server. Yep. So I said Jamstack E or ish because it's not pure. Yeah, because I think Jamstack is more pre-rendered. I guess there is like yeah, it's a it's an evolving term, I guess. But it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid. Yeah. yeah. Last bit of news, or I guess noteworthy things. Elijah Manor has a brand new cheat sheet out, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, he creates these from time to time. This one helps you natively format JavaScript numbers, and it's a follow-up to his previous cheat which was natively formatting JS dates and times. Now, every time JavaScript dates and times comes up, we mentioned moment JS and date functions and all these different efforts. 
And those are nice to have. That being said, sometimes all you need is just to do it once or a couple of times and your own little function will do the trick. And so it's nice to have a cheat sheet of how do I just do this this one time and move on with my life versus pulling in a dependency that's either large or even a small dependency is still a dependency. So these cheat sheets out there on his website, ElijahManner.com, and we'll provide them in the show notes for those who want to bookmark or print off. They're pretty well done. Yeah, it's really cool um, that it's like it, like it's a good helper for those built-in methods to be able to do all of yeah. this because like so many built-in things in JavaScript, the APIs are so hard to, to follow along. But totally, this is a good cheat sheet for that. That's the best way to learn an API is get a cheat sheet, print it off, or you know, have it as your your background wallpaper, whatever it is. Keep it there visual and refer to it. Saves you tons of time, and eventually you'll stop needing it, and you'll realize, wow, I actually learned this API, not because I had to go look it up every time, because I have it staring at me in the face. So these yeah. are great resources for anybody who is doing a lot of JavaScript. All right, there's your news. We'll be right back with a special mystery guest. Changelog News is the best way to keep up with the fast-moving software world. We track, log, and contextualize the coolest projects, the best practices, and the biggest stories each and every week. Make changelog.com your daily destination or hit the snooze button and subscribe to our weekly newsletter that hits inboxes on Sunday mornings. Join more than 15,000 enthusiastic readers. It'll cost you exactly $0. And you can subscribe right now at changelog.com slash weekly. Hello, JavaScript developers. I just want to take a moment. Wow. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Horse.js, everybody. Horse.js is here. Uh, a little birdie actually told me that you're a, a big fan of JS Party. Keep wondering about why JavaScript developed this culture. <laughs> we ask ourselves that same thing every day. Um, but I'm curious, what's your favorite episode so far? What if, what if we only call it JavaScript? Oh, you must be thinking about that episode 101. You guys remember the yep, nope debate on rebranding JavaScript? What if we renamed it? I don't really remember. What was the final conclusion of that? Did we decide to keep the name or do you remember Divya? I think so. Didn't we? Yep. Nope. Oh, wait. No, we kept the name. No, wait. Did we? Did we I think just... we kept it. I think we kept it. Yeah. It was inconclusive. We so we just left it It was alone. inconclusive. Yeah. We couldn't come to a conclusion. So we went with TypeScript then. We went to TypeScript. Mm. <laughs> that was the only thing we all unanimously decided not to do. <laughs> I mean, I think that was the first thing we decided. It was the first point that came up and we were like, no, dismissed. I'm glad to hear you like that episode of Horse.js. Uh, Horse.js, your voice keeps changing on us. What's going on? Whatever Google decides is best. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of hard to listen to, honestly. I have no time for JavaScript haters. Wow. We're not haters. Um, we're really not. We talk a lot about JavaScript. Didn't you know this whole podcast is called JS Party? Right. But anyway, what are you doing? And like, what have you been up to? This is a Rust Stan account now. <laughs> a Rust Stan account? I hadn't heard anything about Rust. What got you interested in Rust, Horse JS? Rust fanboys need to learn. What should they learn? 
I had to learn Java in one day. Wow, that sucks. So did you learn anything from that? Webpack is pretty great. Don't at me. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Tell us something that we don't know. I will clarify that I do not regret using Redux. Oh, really? How about MobX? I heard that's pretty good. Redux. You're asking for too much. <laughs> uh, I have to know, what's your reaction to all this TypeScript type? React. It's okay. No, I said TypeScript. Horse.js. React. It's okay. Because that's your <laughs> reaction to TypeScript. React. It's okay. <laughs> if that's your view. There you go. Well, that's, I guess that's some few front-end things, front-end takes. But what about the server side? You got anything to say about server side JS? Most exciting thing about Dino. Node. Ooh. Oh, really? Why? <laughs> Node.js will be dead in two years, and you shouldn't learn Node at all. Wow. So first you say it's the most exciting thing about Dino. Then you say it's going to be dead in two years. You're kind of contradicting yourself quite a bit here, Horse.js. I hate almost all code. <laughs> wow, you seem so negative. There's so much hate in your heart. Why? JavaScript. I just want you to know that I've cried. Aw, that's sad. But let's like try to make this a little bit more uplifting. I think it took a negative turn. You, you must have something good to say about JavaScript, right? I mean, you are after all forced JS. Array reduces the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a start, I guess. You like array reduce? Very good. Anything else you can tell us? That's good. Name a funnier person in the JS community. I'll wait. There's a lot of funny people. But maybe not right on this show, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of funny people. Uh, you're kind of full of yourself, though, aren't you? Any JavaScript nerds want to get wrecked? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Horse.js. I think you, you can air your grievances on TikTok. Maybe it's time for a new platform. <laughs> Any final words before we let you go? Okay, let me toss out one last hand grenade before I go to bed. Immutability is sometimes. Cool. Well, you heard it here first. Horse.js speaks, and they say immutability is sometimes. I guess thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again next time, Horse.js. You didn't even say bye. You just mic dropped and left. So rude. Unacceptable. We're all friends here. Immutability is sometimes. It's <laughs> <laughs> not even a sentence. Those were verbatim tweets from the Horse.js Twitter account. Don't get blame me for what you just heard. Interviewing Horse.js was Cody Peterson's idea. Cody is a good friend and a longtime contributor to Changelog. This episode was recorded in front of a live internet audience. Join the party each and every Thursday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern. We have a lot of fun. Head to changelog.com community, sign up for free, and hop in the JS Party channel in our community Slack. Why not, right? On next week's show, Ahmad Nasri returns to talk about solving solved problems, the total cost of software ownership, and we have a lively debate on what to build and what to buy. So stay tuned for that. We get our Beats Farm fresh from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and we're brought to you by amazing people at companies who get it. Thanks to Fastly, Linode, and Rollbar for their continued support. That's all for now. We'll talk to you again next week. Clap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. Because I'm Curtis Blow, and I want you to know that these are the boys. There was a project that I found recently, which is like, it's a project called Metatyping. 
And he essentially wrote functions and algorithms in TypeScript. So it's just like using various TypeScript hacks, which is insane. I was looking at that. That is amazing. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a great way to learn TypeScript. I mean, I think this guy created that project as an endeavor to get better at TypeScript. So you're not actually like writing JavaScript algorithms. You're essentially trying to use TypeScript to do things for you. Whether that be like merging an array or like flattening whatever. And yeah, it's really cool <laughs> and wild. It's just like really complex if you go down and it's organized in a way like if you look at it, it's like he does quick sort in TypeScript. And yeah, well, that was cool. I don't feel like this would help you learn TypeScript. I mean, it really would, but <laughs> it, I think it really would. I honestly think yeah. it does. Like it, it's, it's a bit intense, but yes, yeah. <laughs> JavaScript, I just want you to know that I've cried.